We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Guys, Thanksgiving is my very, very, very favorite season. Anybody here just love Thanksgiving? I love Thanksgiving. One thing I love about Thanksgiving is the food. Yes, I know. I know. I look it. I get it. But can I tell you what I love most about Thanksgiving? It's about celebrating the individuals, spending time with the individuals, connecting with the individuals that you value the most. The people who you enjoy spending time with the most. I know sometimes we get together for these big family dinners, and there's a cousin, there's an uncle, there's somebody who you don't want to see, but then there's that one family member that you're like, man, I've been waiting all year. Or maybe we hung out last week, but I can't wait to hang out with you again. Like these individuals who you just love, love so dearly. The people that add value to your life. The individuals that you're thinking about right now, the, that individual who you know when you get around, your life just lights up. You guys laugh. Just a couple of days ago, my wife and I got to connect with a couple who we've known for years. Since about 2009, 2010, we met them. They were our neighbors. And it's been a few years since we've hung out. Even though they just live in St. Joe, they don't live that far away. We know we've connected on Facebook or whatnot. So they hit us up one evening and said, hey, we've got babysitters. And we need something to get into. And I was like, man, they just put the Batman flag up. The bat signal is up. And we're like, what do y'all want to get into? And they're like, whatever, as long as it involves you guys. And we're like, yes, let's get together. Let me tell y'all, we hung out like some kids. We were out till, what, 3 o'clock in the morning. We just had a blast. It was so funny. Because, man, we, we turned up. It was good. 3 in the morning. Man, look, you say you were not sleep by 9? Man, listen, not, not, not that night. We were out. And it's so cool to connect with these individuals because literally we have not hung out in years, but yet when we hung out together, it was like we picked up right where we were. These are the type of individuals that we long to be around. These are the individuals that we talk about. Have you ever been talking about some? I was telling uh, uh, Regina when she was talking about her kids in the video that we played uh, a week ago, that as soon as she started talking about her daughter and her son-in-law, the glow just hit her face. And she was just in such joy. There's certain people in your life, when you begin to talk about them, when you begin to, they cross your mind, you even start to chuckle because you remember some of the things you used to get into. I'm telling you, there are fewer joys greater than knowing that you're surrounded around a community of individuals that you can count on, who will literally drop everything that they're doing or you would drop everything that you're doing to connect with them or come alongside of them. As I was writing this message, literally almost came to tears. I was getting choked up writing this message as I was thinking through the people my life has been enriched by, the people that have 
walked alongside of me, the people who've invested in me, the people who I've been able to do life with, the people who I've been able to invest in, the relationships that we've built, the growth that has taken place. So we're finishing up chapter two of Philippians. We're still in the conversation, remember, from a couple of weeks ago when we jumped into Philippians about having the mind of Christ. If you want to experience joy in your life, you've got to have the mind of Christ. Paul tells us early in Philippians 2, he says, listen, have the same mind in you that was in Jesus Christ. This mind that we found out is the submissive mind, the submitted mind. And so as we are getting to the end of this chapter, he's letting us know and say, it's really not that complicated. It's really not that hard. You and I can actually achieve the same mind that was in Jesus Christ. We can walk in that confidence knowing that I can adopt, you can adopt the mind of Christ and walk in it every single day. It's achievable. And so for those who are catching this for the first time, I'm just going to give a quick overview. We're in a series called Architect, Archetypes. Excuse me. Archetypes is a series that's talking about joy. How can you and I be an archetype of joy? Because an archetype is a very, a very typical example of a certain person or thing. And the individual who's writing it is an archetype of joy. He's a very typical example of what joy looks like. But the interesting thing is this guy is writing this letter to this church in a situation that's not very joyful. He's writing it in prison. He's writing it chained to a Roman guard that he is, he is chained to 24 hours a day. These guards are on rotation. There's not a moment that he is not stuck next to a Roman guard. He can't leave the only thing he can do is accept visitors. He has no clue what his future looks like. He could be dead in days, weeks, months, years, or he could be let free. He has no clue because Romans did not have jails to give punishment. They gave jails as holding places so that we can determine whether you're guilty or whether you are free. He has no clue what's going to happen. And through it all, he's writing letters of having joy. Think about some of the hard situations you've been in your life. Think about some of the tragedies that you've walked through. Imagine writing a letter of encouragement and joy to somebody when you're in the midst of your worst pain. When they tell you, hey, this situation is not going to get better. It's over. And yet, in that moment is when you muster up the energy and start encouraging everybody around you. That's what Paul is doing in this moment. And through this text, we can figure out that we too can also become archetypes of joy. We too can also have joy in the midst of trial. Because what are we guaranteed in this world? In this world, you will have trials and tribulations. You will. It's not if, it's when. But even through that experience, while the world is flipping out about everything that's going on, you can still have joy. We just had the elections a couple days ago. 
and people are already flipping out. And Christians, we get to have joy. Why? Because God is sovereign. He sets up and takes down kings. There's nothing that happens outside of his will. So whoever is in position, God is still on his throne. So I don't have to worry. I don't have to be stressed. I don't even have to fret about it. If somebody comes to me and says, can you believe? Yes, I believe because my God is sovereign. He saw it coming and he's already made a way. So I got joy. (laughs) However, the last couple of Sundays, we talked about some hard things. A couple of y'all even reached out to me and said, dude, that's a hard sermon. That's a hard pill to swallow. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch the messages. They were friendly, I promise. Remember I called y'all beloved last week? I love you. You're my beloved. But when we're talking about service, when we're talking about sacrifice, it's a great concept to talk about. It's hard to actually walk it. Hello, somebody. It's real nice as Christians to come and talk about, oh, Christ gave his life for us, and he told us to take up our cross and follow him. I'm going to take up my cross until I actually have to do it. I want to be a disciple of Christ until I actually have to walk as a disciple. The concept is easy. The practice is hard. And so it's easy to say, well, I get it. You talked about how the same mind that was in Jesus Christ. He gave his life for us. He, he, he sacrificed himself. He endured all type of trials. He do, endured all types of pain and, and punishment on my behalf. But come on, preacher, that's Jesus. Didn't you just say he is the eternal son of God? Of course he can go through it. He's God. God is all powerful. You can't by chance be asking me to do the exact same thing. And then we, last week we talked about Paul, his sacrifice. He's like, man, even if I'm poured out, even if I go and serve you guys to the point of death, if I serve for your faith and I die, I still rejoice. And I invite you to rejoice with me. And we're saying, hey, that's the type of sacrificial living we're supposed to have for other people. It's easy for us to say, like, yeah, that makes sense because that's Paul. He, he, like, he wrote the Bible and stuff, didn't he? He was an apostle. He had conversation with Jesus. Jesus ain't talked to me about doing that. When Jesus audibly tells me to sacrifice at that level, sir, I will. But until then, it's easy for all these individuals and, uh, to do all this because, I mean, this is Paul in the Bible. This is Jesus. But if we're really honest, most of us really believe that it's impossible to truly be like Christ. Most of us believe that it's a far-fetched idea to actually have the mind of Christ. But can I tell you, in this this portion of this text that we're going to be diving in today, Paul is going to give us a clear picture that the mind of Christ, the submissive, submitted mind, is not a luxury. In fact, this is the first lesson you can take away from this if you want to follow along and take notes. The submissive mind is accessible to all believers and a necessity for Christian joy. The submissive mind is accessible to all believers and is a necessity for Christian joy. You want to have joy? 
learn to adopt the mind of Christ. What's the mind of Christ? The submissive mind. You following me? See, people don't want to write those notes down. They're like, no, nah, because I don't want to actually have to do it. Verse 19, come on, let's jump in right, right into the text. Verse 19. This is Paul. He's continuing to write this letter to the Philippian church, the church in Philippi. This is what he says next. He's talked about how Jesus sacrificed. He's talked about how he sacrificed. Now he's going to talk about how other people around him have sacrificed. In verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered on by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy, we find out, was a mentee of Paul. Paul mentored Timothy. Paul essentially served as a father, as a pastor over Timothy. And then later on, we find out that, that Paul sends Timothy to be one of his campus pastors for his church. Paul is going around and planting churches and raising up new faith communities in different cities. And then he would send guys like Timothy and, and Titus to go pastor these churches because he couldn't be everywhere. They didn't have the big old LED screens back in the day where the pastor could just stream in. Paul couldn't be there, so he said, hey, I'm going to send the very next best thing. I'm going to send Timothy. I'm going to send to you a son in the faith to you. Paul met Timothy in Lystra. This is one of the first places that Paul actually had a missionary journey. The first place when Paul is called out to be a, 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 an apostle and, and a leader and to build up God's church, he goes to this space called Derby and Lystra, and he goes out there and he preaches the gospel. A bunch of people get saved, and historians said, at this point, Timothy got saved. Timothy was mixed. He was part Jew. His mom was a Jew. His dad was a Greek. And so he may have grown up with his father's religion. He may have grown up outside of the context of, of, of the Jewish God. And so he gets saved. Paul goes on, plants more churches, goes around, and then he shows back up to Lystra. And in Acts chapter 16, Paul comes back, and everybody's like, yo, y'all got to hear about this guy named Timothy. Hey, Paul, man, when you came and preached this word, man, this dude named Timothy, he caught on to that word. He, he grew up. Man, he has been serving the church. He has been uh, on fire for Jesus. You got to hear about Timothy. Scripture tells us, Acts 16, he said, there was a good report about Timothy. So Timothy, Paul get together. Paul's like, hey, come on, follow me. Come and learn under me. Come and walk alongside me. Come and understand the mysteries of the faith. Come on the missionary journeys with me. Walk alongside of me. Let me disciple you. Let me help you grow. But the interesting thing is, <laughs> there's a couple of notes here. Timothy actually replaced a guy named John Mark. John Mark used to travel with Paul. John Mark was alongside of Paul on his missionary journeys. But in the time when Paul needed John Mark to get into the heat of the fire, dude, I need somebody who's going to squad up with me. John Mark, it's, it's about to get crazy. 
We're about to go. We don't know what we're going to walk into. We don't know what we're going to encounter. Are you with me? John Mark was like, nope, I'm going back to safety. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going back where Christians are accepted. Paul's like, man, let's go into a Muslim country. They didn't have Muslim countries. I'm just saying. He said, let's go to a Muslim country to go preach the gospel. And John Mark was like, nah, I'm going to stay in America. I can go to church without being murdered. So Paul is like, hey, Timothy, do you know what I'm about to get into? Do you understand where I'm going? And Timothy goes along with Paul. He's like, listen, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to walk alongside of you. And Timothy begins to learn from Paul. We know that he was already mission-minded because everybody's talking about Timothy. Everybody's excited about Timothy. And now he's learning from Paul. He's walking alongside Paul. We find out all through Scripture that Timothy's going to jail with Paul. They're getting into all types of fights and scuttles with Paul. I don't even know if scuttles is a word. It felt like I was preaching. It sounded good, like a preaching word. P. Lou, that's our new word, scuttles. You get into the, no, not scuffle, scuttle. It's a scuttle. You guys have any one of those friends who you know is like down for whatever? Like no matter what you got to go through, I'm with you. No matter how bad it's going to get, I'm with you. I know one of them is Zoe. Zoe always ready to, listen, what we got to do. She was raised by her daddy and mama because they are the same human being. I got to tell y'all a story real quick. This is bad. Denver, I can't believe we're going to say, I'm going to share this. I had, I had some major beef as an adult and as a pastor with another pastor. And it got bad, y'all. Like this, like if you've ever watched Pastors Unfiltered, we actually brought this pastor on and we talked about a reconciliation journey. Like it was so bad, y'all. Like when I saw this pastor, you ever seen somebody and your blood just begins to boil? No, y'all are saved. Y'all don't ever experience that. <laughs> Literally, every time I saw this dude, I would be like, let him say something one more time. And so I'm at this event, and I'm sitting down, and he's at the same event, and I'm sitting, minding my whole business. And this dude comes by and taps me on the shoulder and keeps walking. And I look at him, I was like, oh, it's, what's up? Come on, I haven't always been a pastor, you know. So literally that night, I go to uh, 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 the, the leader of this event that we're at, and I'm like, I need to have a conversation with you. He's like, what's up? I said, I'm ready to resign. He's like, why? I said, because I'm going to fight him. <laughs> you going to fight who? I'm going to fight him. Him? Yes, I'm going to fight him. He's like, come on, y'all are Christian, bro. I don't care. He touched me one more time, say something to me. I am going to punch him in his face. And so I come, and Denver is a brother of mine. I love Denver. And I'm sharing. You know, you got to have that one person that, like, you just, like, you just tell her everything. Bro, I, just, I know wrong person, <laughs> wrong person to tell Denver. I'm like, yo, Denver, listen, this dude, this what happened, this was going. Denver's like, straight up, for real, it's like that. I'm like, dude, listen, this dude, we about to go to this event. I swear, if he says one more thing to me, if he even looks at me crazy, Denver, it's going down. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna punch him dead in his throat. This is how it's going. I cannot stand this man. And so we go to this event, and I just remember being in this room, worship. Hands raised. We're praising. I got one eye looking at this dude. <laughs> Jesus, 
going to raise my hands to you, but I'm going to throw my hands on him. <laughs> and so after we worship, spirit-filled, I walk outside, Denver standing right outside the door like this. I'm like, Denver, what's up? He was like, he in there? I'm like, uh, who? The dude, you know who I'm talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, he in there. He was like, so what we going to do? I'm like, Denver! I was speaking out of anger. Was I, you are serious? He's like, I'm down for whatever. I mean, we can do it right now. That's when I knew Denver was my brother forever. <laughs> Listen, so Timothy is like that with Paul. He's like, man, I'm down for whatever. Like, we're going to throw hands. If we got to throw hands, we got to do it. If we're going to walk through trial, if we're going to walk through issues, we're going to walk through it. Now, here's the thing. There was hundreds of Christians in Rome. Maybe even thousands of Christians in Rome by now. Maybe the gospel spread really fast. Yet no one would take the trip back to Philippi for Paul. No one would go for Paul. And so he chooses his apprentice. He chooses his mentee. He chooses Timothy. And says, come on, man, can you go for me? Because everybody else was caught up in self-interest. What does it say? What? Verse 21. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. The believers were engrossed in taking care of themselves. <laughs> can I make it? 2022? The believers were caught up in the American dream than they were in the mission of Christ. And then there were some believers who wanted to preach and say, Paul is locked up now. We have the opportunity now to take some of his people and build our own platform. Paul is in a hard situation right now. So I can come in and, and tell him, like, well, you know why he's in this bad situation. You know why what he was into. You know what he was doing. Come follow me because I've got the true gospel because I can preach to you. I can do it better. Philippians 1.17, he was like, there's some people who preach Christ out of passion and other people who preach out of selfishness. The bottom line is Paul needs somebody to go with him, but no one wants to go because they're so caught up in looking at themselves. Timothy was different. He was submitted to the mission. He was submitted to his pastor. Verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. This is big. I want y'all to catch it. Verse 22, but you know Timothy's proven worth. You know how as a son with the father he has served with me in the gospel. 
So he's telling the Philippian church, he says, you guys have seen Timothy. You've seen him walking alongside of me. You see how connected he is to me. You see the relationship we have, the unique relationship we have. In fact, our relationship is so close. I'm like a father. And he's like a son, and and he's come alongside of me, and he's submitted himself willingly like a son. He's learned from me. He's walked with me. He's, He's been with me every step of the way. Timothy ended up growing spiritually and and learned to serve by sticking close to Paul. My son, 11-year-old Elijah, has been learning about mentorship and relevant youth has been going through this series and they're in this space where mentorship has come up. And so He's asking me, I just love it that our kids learn practical lessons. They learn practical lessons in relevant youth. He's like, Dad, I've been learning about a mentor, and Paul had Timothy as a mentor. He says, Dad, do you have mentors? I said, absolutely. I got mentors. I got spiritual fathers. I got individuals who pour into my life every single day. I got individuals who I can call on. I got individuals who I willingly submit myself to. I don't have to, but I choose to because I trust their voice in my life. I trust their leadership in my life. I trust them giving me wisdom. And you know what, son? When I submit, I act. It's not just a verbal submission. It is a life submission because I know that I'm entrusting that God has brought this person in my life to lead me and guide me. And so when they ask me and they tell me and they give me advice, I walk it out. I actually do it. That's what mentorship is. That's what having a coach is. That's what having somebody to, 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 to follow is. Can I tell you the greatest leaders have learned to be the best followers. The greatest leaders know how to follow the best. Some of my own mentors, individuals who I look up to and revere, I remember uh, Rod Lawrence, uh, late Rod Lawrence, my, my late spiritual father, a couple of years ago after we had been walking in faith for quite some time, I, I was learning from him. He was walking alongside of me. Jessica, you remember Rod Lawrence. He would come and preach every once in a while. Hey, Jesus is Lord. Y'all remember that? He would get on stage. The first thing he will say, Jesus is Lord. Like, Amen. But I remember after walking with him for a few years, he's like, there's somebody I want you to meet. He was so excited. There's somebody I need you to meet, somebody who's so special in my life. I want you to to meet my mentor. And when I saw their relationship, I understood why he could lead me so well, because he learned how to be submitted. He had somebody who was coaching him, somebody who was pouring into him, somebody who was loving in him. Can I tell you, every individual in this room who is something great, Gavin, you're a young man growing. Uh, all y'all individuals who are, who are growing, all the students who want to do something great in your life. If you want to learn to be great, learn how to submit. Every individual in this room, doesn't matter how old you are, it's easy for us to point to the students and be like, yeah, they need to learn how to be submitted. But can I tell you, here, point number two, if you want to learn, you can never be a father until you've learned how to live submitted as a son. You can never learn to be a father unless you know how to be a son. 
And the reason we have so much messed up, crazy things going on in this world is because we've got too many spiritual orphans. We've got individuals who are old and young. We've got people middle-aged and every other in between who have never learned how to submit, never learned how to sit under leadership, never learned how to be led, never learned how to be a daughter, never learned how to be a son. And we're wondering while every decision that's being made is like, have people lost their mind? Submission is the first step to elevation. If you want to get to any place in life, Jessica is one of the best basketball players. She's now coaching, but she had a coach. What do they say? Every athlete. In order for an athlete to be great, they have to submit under a coach. You want to be a great Leader, learn how to be led. He learned humbly. He learned not to try to accelerate his platform. Not try to be anything greater than he was. He wasn't selfishly looking to say, how come I'm not on the stage? How come I'm not doing what Paul is doing? Well, Paul, why would you send me over here? I should be preaching. I mean, you're locked up, so shouldn't I be evangelizing Rome? Why would you send me to Philippi? Aren't they good? They're fine. Put me here where I can get center stage. No, Timothy lives submitted. Humbly, not trying to accelerate his platform. You know when kids are growing up and then they think they can do everything and they want to do everything on their own? And then you know that they're about to break everything. What's that about? Kids, let me cook. No, I want to cook. I want to do it. 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 And you're like, son, the little thing, the little bzzz, the mixer thing. Like, I know it's about to be all over the wall. All of the stuff is about to be all over the wall because your little hand can't take it. <laughs> and can I tell you, there's a lot of people, even in church, they're like, hand me the mixer. Hand me the mixer. Let me get the mixer. I can do what you do. Give me the mixer. And you're like, man, slow down. You don't understand what it took to get to this place. No, I can do it. Give me the mixer. And they're not willing to just submit and trust and believe that at the right point, Scripture tells us this, submit and you will be elevated. Submit at the righteous hand of God. And he will raise you up. And so, I mean, I'll just say it even, even here. Believe it or not, even at a relevant church. People get mad when they don't get platform. Well, how come that person gets a platform? How come that person gets to preach? How come that person gets to be close to you? How come that person is so connected to you? How come you guys always hang out? How come you guys have the opportunity? How come I'm always seeing that person? Why is that individual always in the front? Why do they always get this opportunity? Can I tell you? It doesn't matter whether you're at church or whether you're at work. Some of y'all act like kids at work. 
How come they got the promotion? How come they got this? How come they got this? How come they got this? How come I wasn't the one picked? How, how come it wasn't me? How come I didn't get to play? How, how, how come I wasn't picked to be first string? How come I didn't start? How come I wasn't the one in the front? Can I tell you something? If you don't got it, maybe you're not ready for it. Scripture says this. He gives grace according to everybody's capacity. So if you're not graced for it, maybe you're not ready for it. Let me tell you, Timothy also knows the meaning of sacrifice and service. You can never be a father until you've learned how to live submitted as a son. Let me tell you, there's no one else. There's no one else that has exemplified this model in my life and in this church like Pastor Lewis. Pastor Lewis has literally been the model of sacrifice and service. Come on, listen, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is what he says. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Hold on, let me change this, and then I want y'all to give some relevant honor, okay? But you know Pastor Lewis's proven worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Lewis, we want to honor you right now for truly living submitted, for truly living sacrifice. You don't have to be here, but you chose to be here. You choose to be here. You've had multiple opportunities to leave and go and build a platform on your own. People wanted to give you a platform, and you said submit it. You said, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. Everybody else, Lewis, would have run away. Everybody else would have gone somewhere else. Everybody, When I was not being a good father, a spiritual father, when I was getting on you, when I was just doing what I was doing because I'm hard-headed and I can be a jerk sometimes, you stayed submitted. And you are worth double the honor. You are worth double the honor. Listen, this, this, this year, there was a transition that took place. Pastor Lewis transitioned from being on staff, and there were all these other opportunities. There were all these other jobs, and I'm handing it to him. I'm like, hey, you can go over here. This pastor wants you over here. They want you to be a campus pastor over here. Listen, he skipped out. Get this. On being a campus pastor at a church where his boy was my boy, but our boy, ended up becoming the campus pastor. They scouted Pastor Lewis first. When they launched the campus, not the main church, when they launched the campus, there were like 2,000 people there. That could have been his. Why stay in Niles? Why still be part of a church that's still building, that's seen the highs and the lows? And now that his heart is for ministry and mission. He realizes I need to step out and go back into the marketplace so I continue to build and take care of my family. And I told him, I said, Lou, listen, there's opportunities everywhere. 
And he sat in that room and told me, I'm not going anywhere. Come on. And so that's why I told him, I said, listen, I've been a father in ministry, but now, brother, you're just my brother in ministry. We're in this thing together. We are co-laborers in ministry. And let me tell you, when people see Pastor Lewis honored or anybody else honored or anybody else who is elevated and, 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 and talks about like that, honestly, it's because they've lived it out. They've lived it out. They've proved their worth. They've stuck by our side through the highs, through the lows. And that's no wonder why Timothy is mentioned over 24 times in Paul's writings. He loved him. That's why everywhere I go, everybody hears about Lewis Boyd in the third. I'm like, this man is one of a kind. Jessica knew when Lewis showed up. Look, 23-year-old, 23-year-old, whippersnapper, wet behind the ears. His wife is sitting right there, so I'm not going to tell you everything that he was doing. But he was doing things. A lot of things. Like things that we need anointing oil for, like, Lord Jesus, this man. (laughs) But look at him now. Husband, pastor, leader in the marketplace, mentor, coach. (laughs) Teach somebody, say, it doesn't matter whether you are 16 or 60. You can never be a father until you've learned how to live submitted as a son. Verse 25. Then he switches direction. One more person he wants to talk about. Verse 25, it says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. In fact, I want us to read this together because I feel like I need you to get this in your spirit. I need you to get this in your system. I need you to get this model. So we're going to read this together beginning in verse 25. It says, I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. This is what I want you to do. If you've got a physical Bible or if you've got an electronic Bible, highlight that verse. Underline those words, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. This is really big, and I don't want you to miss this. Can I tell you something? Epaphroditus, who the heck is this? Who is this dude? You know, when I was taking notes and I was writing, I got so sick of writing his name. His name is so long, I just called him Epaph. Random thought. Epaph. So young Epaph. He's the one who actually initially brought the missionary support for the Philippian church. Remember? This letter is in response to what the Philippian church sent to him, what they blessed him with. Paul is stuck in prison. He can't go to Meyer. He can't go to Walmart. Can't go to Walgreens. Can't get no deodorant. Can't get nothing. They won't let him out. So he's relying on missionary support coming from the church that he planted, and they are bringing him messages of, of, hey, this is what's going on in the church. Hey, this is what's going on over here. And so uh, Epaphroditus shows up, and he's like, man, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to make sure that Paul is taken care of. He came to provide 
care for Paul while he was in prison. Now, I want you to catch this, though. There's something very interesting as how Paul has shared this story. The Bible is very intentional in how it teaches us if you pay attention to it. Don't so quickly read the Bible. I'm going to go into, like, nerd, relevant leadership college type stuff real quick. Just, just go with me for a quick second. I just want you to see the trajectory of this. Paul is the one writing it. Paul calls himself a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul is like a purebred. This dude is 100% Jewish. He's like, listen, I've been educated in the best Jewish schools. I've been under the greatest Jewish leaders. I know the Jewish law back, front, upside down, all around. He says, I am a Hebrew of Hebrews. I am Paul. I've learned to have the submissive mind because not only am I a Hebrew of Hebrews, not only was I zealous for God, but Jesus spoke to me personally, called me on this mission. I'm an apostle who lives submitted. I've got the mind of Christ. I do this. This is how I live. But then he tells us about Timothy. Timothy also has the mind of Christ, but Timothy is mixed. He's part Jew, part Gentile. Gentiles were seen as outside of the family of God. If you weren't a Jew, you were not supposed to be a part. You couldn't even go to the Jewish temple and enter the inner courts. They would stone you, kill you, and then tell you it was your fault because you're a Gentile, but yet you're walking into a Jewish court. So your death is on you. No persecution. Why? Because you're a Gentile. So Paul immediately goes to Timothy, who was half Jew, half Gentile. Now he ends this whole narrative with Epaphroditus. What was Epaphroditus? He was 100% Gentile. He was somebody who, by all accounts, could not even fathom or capture or even understand the mind of Christ. He was somebody who was so far from the family of God that by no means can Epaphroditus be a model of Jesus Christ. By no means can Epaphroditus take on the heart of a Jewish uh, a servant who went to the cross and died for us. There's no way Epaphroditus can actually take on the mind of the Son of God. And Paul is telling him, I, a Jew, have the mind of Christ. Paul, a mixed kid, got the mind of Christ. And even Epaphroditus, who looks like he is far from God, who y'all have looked at and labeled as somebody who can't ever come to faith in Jesus, him too has the mind of Christ. Did y'all catch that? Everyone can have the mind of Christ. It doesn't matter whether they're American, they're French, they're Russian, they're Ukrainian, they're African. It doesn't matter your skin color, your creed, your color, your heritage. It doesn't matter whether you're male, you're female, you're young, you're old. Every single one of us has access to the throne room of God. And when we behold, we become changed and we can have the mind of Christ. It's accessible to all of us. Accessible to all of us. This individual, remember the story about the Good Samaritan? The Jewish priest walks by, the pastor of the house, pastor of the church down the street, walks by, see this dude laid up, beaten, bruised, he walks by. The Levite, the worship leader, walks by, he's like, no, I got to go lead worship. But the Samaritan 
whom the Jews called dogs. The Samaritan, who everybody thought, this person is too far from God. The Samaritan is the one who stops, and Jesus says, this is the model of what being a true neighbor is. Scripture is trying to tell us something. Because here's the deal. Lest you ever wonder, everyone in this room, is anybody here pure-blood Jewish? So that means you're a Gentile. You would have been forbidden from the courts of the church. All of us get accepted. Epaphroditus, this guy, just like the Good Samaritan, rescues this man beaten and bruised. Epaphroditus risks his life. He risks his life and his health carrying this missionary gift to Paul. And that's why I had you guys highlight this real quick. He says, I'm preaching. Is that all right, bro? y'all? Can I just preach? Can I preach? He says, and y'all, y'all, man, I, I hope you guys catch this for real, for real. Verse 25, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. I mean, I could go so much deeper in here, but I'm not going to go into I want to nerd out. Listen, Lori, I so want to nerd out. I just feel like going back to intro to theology with y'all. I can't wait till class on Tuesday night because we're just going to nerd out then too. But I want to nerd out on this, but I'm not. I'm going I'm I'm to I'm pull it back a little bit. He calls him first. He gives this guy a bunch of titles. That's how much he feels about Epaphroditus. A brother. beginning of the text, I mean, this is not me nerding out this, I'm just kind of putting a parallel. At the beginning of Philippians 1, he says, I believe that the good work that God has begun in you, he will complete in the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. The good work, they began following Jesus, they took on the faith, they became Christians, they followed, they were, they were, they were first united in faith. He says, I thank God for all my remembrance of you, always in prayer. For you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. When they captured the gospel, they became united in faith. He's like, listen, Epaphroditus is my brother. He's united with me in faith. And then he goes on and he says, hey, but <laughs> he's not just a brother. Epaphroditus is a fellow worker. He's a fellow worker. Uh, remember how he says in, at the beginning... He says uh, that, so if there's any comfort and joy in, from love and participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind. And it was all about knowing your purpose. Remember first message, couple second message? You got to know your purpose. The only way you can stay focused is when you know your purpose, you know why you're here. So no matter what happens in your world, your focus Well, as a worker, he's united in purpose of our faith. So as a brother, he's united in passion for the church, for the faith. As a brother, he's united in passion for our faith. As a worker, he's united in purpose for our faith. And then he calls him my fellow soldier. Fellow soldier. 
he's united in practice of our faith. Let me tell you, there's, a, there's an interesting trajectory here. If you want to understand how to be a balanced Christian, I've already given you the spoiler, but this is where we're going. If you want to know how to be a balanced Christian, you've got to be united in the passion for our faith. There's brothers and sisters all through this room. We all believe in Jesus Christ. We all believe that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins, redeemed us. We all know that we were sinners destined to hell, but because of Jesus, he came and redeemed his life. He is our savior. But it can't end there. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. So we got to become workers in the faith. So at starting point, spoiler alert, one thing you learn at starting point is how to become a worker in the faith. Hey, we're here because we want to passionately follow Jesus. But we also now have to begin to serve Jesus and work alongside each other and build up the community of faith together. And can I tell you, many people stop there. Many people stop there. Very few people unite in practice of our faith, become soldiers. Very few become soldiers. Why? Because soldiers are with you in the fight. Soldiers don't just come when we're patrolling the ground. security officers. Those are workers. But when it's it's time to say, hey, it's mount up, because there's a scuttle. (laughs) Because there's a scuttle going on. I need you to jump. I was listening to this story, y'all, talking about the SEAL Team 6 guys. It was interesting. The guy who was telling the story, he says, when we He was like, I was out with my kids on vacation. I got a phone call from Langley in D.C. They were like, or Virginia, wherever that is. He's like, you guys have to come back. And you can't tell anybody, just show up, just be there. So they all showed up, good soldiers, they showed up. And they're like, there's a situation. They're like, what type of situation? Can't tell you, it's just a situation. And they're like, okay, what do you want us to do? You need to fly out in 48 hours. Where are we going? Can't tell you. What are we going to do? Can't tell you. What's the mission? You'll be briefed when you're here. But here's the deal. Go say goodbye to your families because we're not guaranteeing you're coming back. It's probably a good chance you're not coming back. So the guy goes back home and he takes his kids to Target and takes his kids to the mall and, and buys a whole bunch of stuff and he's hugging on his kids and, and all of these things and he's loving on his kids. Can't tell his wife where he's going. All he's saying is, I got to go for work. They get there. They come back into the room. And they say, we found somebody. Oh, so it's a person. Yes. Who is it? Can't tell you. So when are we going to find out? On your plane ride there. Because we can't afford this to get out. Are you a soldier? Or are you just a worker? 
these guys jumped on the plane and they told them there is like a high chance you will not make it. You literally have 30 minutes from the time you fly from the US, land, you can't land, by the way. You're gonna have to repel down. What do we, what do we do? You gotta repel down, you gotta go finish the mission, get back up, you got 30 minutes. One of their planes, one of their helicopters, whatever, ends up crashing, they're like, we're next. They got on the flight, they went, willing to serve and sacrifice, not knowing the end from the beginning. No matter what this is gonna look like moving forward, not, that's a soldier. He says, listen, I'm not, Epaphroditus is not just somebody who I praise God with. This is not somebody who I open doors with and show up at 7.45 in the morning with. He's a soldier. He's a guy like Dustin who lives all the way in Bridgman, who lives 45 miles away. With wintertime, that's probably going to add an hour to his drive. When it's a real blizzard outside, he, he, I need a guy like Dustin who's going to take the church trailer and he's going to drive it all the way back to Bridgman to the comfort of his home and then have to get up when everybody here is getting up at 6.30, 7 o'clock to be at church, he's going to have to get up at 4 a.m. to get ready, to get his stuff together. He's going to have to cast this vision to his wife and say, babe, I need you to walk alongside with me. I need you to be on mission with me because we're not just brothers. We're just not workers. We signed up to be soldiers. This is the thing that we got to do because God has a mission for us. There's a purpose, and it's greater and beyond our comfort. Are you willing to be a soldier with me? And Dustin, this brother, for years has driven all the way from Bridgman, winter, sleet, snow, ice, and shows up early in the morning, opening up the doors with the rest of us, serving all all the way to the end. Never once has he complained. Never once has he whined. Never once has he said it's too early. There's no once has he said, I can't do it. I'm tired. Dustin shows up because this man is a soldier. He is in it to win it. He is fighting the good fight. Soldier. Soldier. Let me tell you, that's what I love about this church. This church is filled with not only brothers, not only workers. This church is filled with soldiers. This is what the future looks like for Relevant Church. When I told you guys empowered membership, that's what that looks like. I don't have to convince him. I don't have to ask him. I don't have to cajole him. I just got to say, this is the mission. He says, I'm in. What is it going to look like? I don't care. I'm in. I got to tell you, you got to, I'm in. I don't have an excuse. Why? Because I believe in a big God who can use me to accomplish big things for his glory. So when the mission is set, I'm in. Whew. Soldiers take up arms. They do what it takes. That's one of our culture codes. We do what it takes. We do what it takes. They don't make excuses. Soldiers make it happen. They're not swayed away by the current of public opinion. Well, I don't know. You know, the pastor said this, and that was a little uh, it was confront, confrontational. I don't like the way this decision is being made. Uh, listen, we're on mission. Either you're in or you're out. If you want to whine about it, ain't a place for you.
Epaphroditus is the model of a balanced Christian. He is a brother, he is a worker, and he's a soldier. Third lesson you got to learn how to, and do not miss this, believers. Listen, I am preaching to you, my beloved. (laughs) You are my beloved. I love you. But remember, coddle time is over. We said that at Vision Sunday. Adult conversations only. And adult conversations say, listen, we are called to be disciples. We are called on the mission field. We are not called to a country club where we sit and we take up in the rows and pick and choose what we want to do, when we want to be there. Can I tell you, a balanced Christian doesn't mean doing less for Christ. Being balanced is being all in for Christ. And I want to add this, and teaching others to do the same. Five people that responded to that. They know. Five people that are like, oh, man, this is hard. Angie, you know what it is to be a balanced Christian. You've been doing this thing. Soldier since day one. 2008, you showed up. I even tried to kick you out the church multiple times. I did. Tried to convince you to go somewhere else. But now, you're stuck. You ain't going nowhere. If you try to leave, I swear I'm going to throw a fit. Balance, we always like to preach about balance. We don't want to talk about balance. In this world, you got to have balance. I'm just trying to be balanced. Um, You know what balance is? Being conformed into the image of Christ. That's balance. Balance is not making excuses about what you can do. Balance is not waiting for people to step in where God has called you to step in. Balance is not only just being a brother say, hey, I love you, brother. I love you. Remember that word that we like to throw around, Christian? Love you. Balance isn't, uh, I'll, I'll serve with you um, two days, uh, two, two times a month? Oh, one, once a month, once a month. I mean, I, I got to be balanced. Once a month. Oh, yeah, I can't be at that outreach event. You know, it's just, it, just, it doesn't jive. I had to, like, trim the hedges at home. You know, we want to serve, we want to make a tangible difference in our communities and world. But, you know, like, I had to, you know, I had to comb my puppy's hair. Puppies ungroomed. balances. I'm a brother. I believe like you do. I'm on mission with you, and I'm willing to hit the ground with you. That's balance. All right, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up. Can I tell you, I've been, I was at this event, and they were telling, I think I told you guys this last week, or maybe I was telling our team, they were like, man, we're at this church, and another pastor was telling me how he was at this church, and he was like, man, you know, they've been doing everything wrong to grow the church. I mean, their services have just gotten really long, and I was looking like. <laughs> but you know what? I'm not trying to grow the church. I'm trying to grow disciples. Uh, is that okay in this season? In this season, calling us a radical discipleship? Is that all right? Paul preached so long, homie on the, on, on the side of the wall fell off, broke his neck. <laughs> I've seen a couple of y'all fall asleep already a couple times. But at least y'all got cushioned seats. So enjoy the nap, wake back up, catch up, and then catch the podcast to catch what you missed in between. 
All right, come on. Um, oh, man. It's, listen, I didn't, I didn't write the Bible, y'all. I'm literally preaching what the Bible says. And why is this message coming to where at the church where, the, where we're at right now? It's interesting that God would preach these messages to a smaller group of individuals than we've had in the past. I really believe somebody told me, they're like, man, you know, everybody's with you. I said this last week, everybody's with you. But let me tell you, obviously, there's some people who still need to get it. Because God is leading us to this text. So I'm reading this commentary on Philippians in verse 26 and 27. This is what it says. We're almost there. We're going to close out in verse 30. So we're almost there. We're a couple of verses away. He says, um, I thought it, I'm going to go back to verse 25. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but on me, so lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So check this out. Commentary says this. Prove to you that it's not me who just says this. Other pastors see this. This is a national pandemic in the church. This is the commentary. There's another pastor who's saying this. The problem in churches is that we have too many spectators and not enough participants. This isn't Pastor Muta bringing this up. This is another pastor bringing this up. I found this random, believe me, I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't trying to find it. I wasn't trying to pick at it. And I was just like, oh, no, no, I'm going to use this with the, with, on the church. No, literally it was in the commentary on this text, verse 26 and 27. He says this, the problem in churches is that we have too many spectators and not enough participants. But here's the interesting thing about Epaphroditus. He's not willing to simply contribute. Epaphroditus gives himself totally to the mission of carrying the missionary offering. Epaphroditus has said, I'm not just going to give to the Christmas offering. I'm not just going to give my tithe. I'll return my tithe. I'm not just going to give an offering. Epaphroditus says, man, listen, I want to also be used in the transportation of this gift, what does that mean for us? Not only do we give, but we participate and we go on mission. When we walk out of these doors, our mission doesn't end on Sunday. It's throughout the week. Because remember, you don't give to a church. You give through a church. So when you give, you go. When you give, you get out. When you give, you go beyond the four walls and go live out the mission and the vision of this house. That's Epaphroditus. And the sad part, you know when you're doing something good and then something bad happens? Like, God, I was trying to do something good. Epaphroditus goes to bring this missionary trip, and he's feeling really good, and then gets sick. He gets sick to the point of death. He is willing to go on this long trajectory from Philippi all the way to Rome. It was dangerous. There was a, a, it was a main thoroughfare. People could have killed him. They could have robbed him, but he went anyway. Not only is he fearing or, or, uh, or putting himself in, in, in a space where uh, people could murder him or rob him, but he's also putting himself in, this is going to be months trip. He has no medical care. So when he gets to Paul, he's excited. This is what's been happening. But then what else happens? He gets sick and almost dies. Paul ends up saving him. I mean, not God ends up saving him. Paul is rejoicing because he's like, man, listen, I love this because we see Paul's humanity. Paul's an archetype of joy. But he says, listen, if Paul, if Epaphroditus would have died, I would have had sorrow on sorrow. What is he telling us? 
he's still sorrowful. He's not this fake joy guy. He's not this veneer that just says, I'm joy, 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 joy down in my soul. Down in my soul. Down in my soul. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my soul. Down in my soul today. And I'm so happy. I'm so very happy. That's not Paul. He's like, listen, I've got joy because I know my suffering is for a purpose. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Oh, see, y'all didn't think we were ever going to get to this point in the message. Y'all thought I was going to make y'all just smile and be happy all day, even when you have, hey, I'm, I'm happy. I want to be here to serve 7.30 in the morning. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Dustin, this does not give you permission to be a bully. He was like, you're late. <laughs> Typical soldiers. Paul is saying, man, this would have added, if, if, if Epaphroditus would have died, this would have added sorrow. I'm already sorrowful that I'm in chains. But if he would have died, I would have lost it. Paul's human. He's got bad days too. But can I tell you something? In this whole context of joy, bad days are not supposed to remove joy from you, but to emphasize why it's important, important for you to cultivate joy. Bad days are not supposed to remove joy from you. They're supposed to culti- encourage you to cultivate joy in your life. And so what do we see here? Epaphroditus sacrifices to serve Paul. And now Paul is sacrificing to serve the church so that they can rejoice. The church is in turmoil. Epaphroditus, one of our guys, he's sick. He's about to die. And Paul's like, man, dude, this guy is not only a brother, he's not only a fellow worker, but this is a fellow soldier. And Paul, because of his care for his church, because of his love for his beloved, he is willing to let go of somebody who's sitting right next to him, somebody who's walking alongside of him, somebody who he knows he can count on through thick and thin, but because he loves his church. Remember, Paul wasn't trying to rebuke his church. He was trying to show them how much he loved his church. And this is my joy. I'm going to send Epaphroditus back, even if it leaves me bare. Remember, even if I'm sacrificed, even if I'm poured out, it doesn't matter because I want to rejoice because I want all of us to be in a state of joy. Band, you can come up. <clears throat> okay, wait. Not just give me two seconds. <laughs> two seconds. I just, I looked at my notes. Almost done. Almost done. I'll tell you. Almost done. If you walk in the hallway, go back, go back, go back, go back. Yeah, we're not done yet. Give me one second, one second. Praise God. Verse 28, coming to a close. I am the more eager to send him. Yeah, I know what I'm losing, but I am more eager to send him. Therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, that I may be less anxious. Do you know when, when you guys are in turmoil as pastors, we're anxious too. Our heart breaks for you guys. When you're going through stuff in life, our hearts break for you. We wonder, what can we let go? What can we sacrifice so that you guys can experience joy? Okay, maybe just Danae. Just Danae, you come up. Just Danae. <laughs> so receive him in the Lord with all joy. Oh, joy, again. And honor such men. 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. He said, I'm sending him back to you so you guys can experience joy. I'm sending him back to you because I love you. I'm willing to sacrifice for me so that you can have. That's the pastor's heart. I'm going to tell you, and this is, not, this is not to build ourselves up. Pastor Lewis has been here since day one. He understands. We've had to sacrifice. My wife and I have literally had to sacrifice for us to be here, to be in this room. We've sacrificed. We've had time, talent, and treasure. We have sac- we've been soldiers. That's why Paul can say, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Let me tell you, we have sacrificed. Not just financially, emotionally, family-wise. We have sacrificed so that you guys can experience the joy and the hope of the gospel. Because we care, because y'all are our beloved, because we love you and we care about you. Can I tell you, Pastor Lewis has sacrificed. Sacrificed. Just so that he could hold space for you guys, so that he can, Pastor Lewis is like Timothy, he loves people. Loves people. If you know anything about Pastor Lewis, he cares about you. He remembers your name. He remembers your kids, your dogs, your mamas, your aunties, your cousins. He remembers that weird thing on your big toe. He remembers everything you done told him. (laughs) (laughs) Pastor Taylor, she sacrificed. Sacrificed. Scripture reminds us that Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We've endured cru- the crucible so that we, we are continuing to endure the crucible. We will endure the crucible because our joy is when you have joy. When you are experiencing the fullness of God in your life. And this is what Paul encourages the church. He encourages the church to honor Epaphroditus. What did he say? So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. Honor such women. Why is honor such a big thing here at Relevant Church? Because Scripture tells us that we need to honor those who are sacrificing at a level beyond everybody else. Believers who take risks and who risk it all are worthy of great respect. That's why we honor here at Relevant. Can I tell you, our pastors, our leaders, they have sacrificed after service, all you guys go home and having a great old time, eating lunch. We're still here counting. We're still here cleaning up. And our kids, literally, our kids are like, can we go home, please? I pray that our kids are in church, Angie, when they get older, because they might be like, oh, I ain't doing this church thing. I was scarred. But you know what we're doing? We're modeling sacrifice. This is just what it takes, family. This is what it takes to make the mission of God happen. The Missio Dei is the only thing that we've been called to on this earth. God has not called you to the American dream. He's called you to the mission of God. I know that's not popular. Listen, I like good things. I like nice things. I like cars, boats. Listen, I want a Bentley one day. Pray that I will. I I want a private jet. Don't record that because everybody's going to be like, he's like this pastor. He wants a private jet. The church ain't going to pay for it. I want to work hard. 
But can I tell you guys, our pastors and our leaders model sacrifice. And the reason why I called the team and then told them to wait, because I really wanted to get to this point real quick. That's why I guard leadership so heavy at this church. Let me tell y'all something. Don't talk junk about none of my leaders. Because I know them. I know what they've given up. I know what they do. I know what they sacrifice. They're worthy of honor. That's why I guard leadership also in the vein that we don't just let everybody take this platform. That's why everybody just doesn't become a pastor here. Because I need to know that you're in it for more than just the platform. That's why we say at Relevant Church, if you can't serve in the parking lot, you can't serve on the stage. A lot of people, oh, you know, like, I'm just not called to do that. But, but God has called me to ministry. Yep. Start standing right outside of kids, all service. That's ministry. Serve in the cafe and be there. The whole worship experience. That's ministry. Because remember, we exist for the empty seats. So there's plenty of empty seats, and we're going to hold space until they're filled. You know, I just really feel like God is calling me to more. Go in the parking lot and welcome home somebody. Because the people who are going to take center stage here, the people who are going to be elevated to platform are going to be people who are modeling sacrifice and service. Those individuals who are not in it for themselves, they're in it for the mission of God. Epaphroditus and Timothy sacrificed for the sake of others without thought of any reward. Epaphroditus and Timothy are the models of submission to the spirit of Christ. Jesus was the pattern, but they teach us, they teach us that this is achievable. We can do it. We can be that. We can be the models of the submissive mind. So last statement, last statement, you should write this down. I really believe you should, especially everybody who's like, you know, I just need balance in my life. Yep, we need to seek balance, 100%. We need to seek balance. Let me ask you a question. When people write about you, what will they say? Will they say you were a brother and sister? Will they say you were fellow workers? I'm talking to Christian and the non-Christian in this room. Because this principle goes across the board, whether you're a believer or not a believer. What will people say about you when you're gone? What will people, what do people say about you when you're no longer in the room? Man, that is a brother and that is a sister, man. That person is a fellow worker. They come alongside of me. Now, you know what? That person is a soldier. That's my fellow soldier. That's somebody who's in it to win it with me. That's somebody who's coming alongside the journey with me. And especially as a Christian, are people saying you're a brother and a sister? Are they saying you're a fellow worker? Are they saying you are a soldier along, standing strong for the faith? Or will they say this person sought his own interests 
and not those of Christ. All right, band, y'all can come up now. We need to seek balance. Point four, last point. Balance is only found in having the same mind that was in Jesus Christ. The submissive, submitted mind. You can do it. You can achieve it. And the result will be a joy that can't be shaken or moved. We need to live a balanced life. What will they say about you? Paul said, Jesus is the model of sacrifice. He's the model of the submissive mind. He says, listen, I am willing to be poured out, sacrificed at all for you. He said, Timothy, man, this dude is a son in the faith. He knows how to live submitted. And that's why I'm elevating and honoring him. When Paul went on to be with the Lord, he sent, Pete, he sent Timothy as his substitute. He said, Epaphroditus, man, this is not only a brother. This is a fellow worker. He's a soldier. He's balanced. He's got the submissive mind. He lives submitted. What will they say about you? God, I pray for every single individual in this room. Under the sound of my voice, God, <clears throat> you know where everybody's at. You know what they carry. God, I pray that these messages are confronting them. I pray that they are confronting. I pray that they will toss and turn at night. Until, God, what you want to birth inside of them begins to bloom, take root and bloom. I pray, God, that none of us in this room, we fell short. We'll fall short of taking on the image of Jesus Christ like we're called to do in Romans 8.29. Lord, I just ask for every single in individual in this room who's wrestling right now with this content. God, open their hearts, open their minds. Scripture says godly sorrow brings about repentance. And I pray, God, that we will repent. And we'll join you at work. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.